Part two of the Women's Champions League episode. We hope you actually listened to the first part and we're here for part two. If not, you can go back, listen to part one and listen to part two as they kind of intertwine together. We're now in group C of the Champions League, perhaps a group that a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, I most definitely am. I think our guest is most definitely is looking forward to that group. Uh, maybe Jesse and Abdullah, I don't know. I don't know how they feel about Barcelona um, after last season in the Champions League. Um, but for this section of the episode, we are welcoming back Marc Andres Sanz to the podcast to talk about, of course, Champions of Europe, Barcelona. Um, welcome back, Marc. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. I'm really well. I'm really glad to be back here on box to box to talk about the Champions of Europe. Uh, the last time we talked was to preview the final of the Champions League. And I think uh, for uh, one of you guys, or uh, maybe for the three of you, it didn't go so well. <laughs> I would like to say that I was, I always back Barca. Yeah, I know, um, I know. Uh, but yeah, obviously, yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't think any of us could have predicted that 4-0 no. win. But yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting conversation. I think we're going to have another interesting conversation of kind of Spain versus England um, in another matchup now in the Champions League. So not long to go now for Barcelona v Arsenal in the Champions League, a match that I, I could easily say that we've all been looking forward to since that draw happened. And of course, it's the opening match of Group C. October 5th is the date. But yeah, Marc, obviously after last season, everyone is now painfully aware of how good Barcelona Barcelona is and their place in Europe in particular. But could you just summarize a bit of Barca's start to the season, you know, new players, new coach, um, and kind of how you've seen that kind of evolve now a few games into the season already? I mean, for me, uh, as much and as many things change, the more the things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, they have uh, three new signings, they have a new coach, but you can, you really you really can tell the difference in small details but in the big picture you can you can't really tell the the difference it's the same team with the same star players they really uh impose you their way of football and really the one the one thing that i've noticed maybe it's because Jenny Hermoso is missing and uh, uh, Bruna Vilamala is not uh, up to the level yet and Oshoala is not that type of player but they are really having trouble scoring the first goal I mean, uh, during their three games on the league against uh, Granadilla, Betis and, uh, and Valencia, the minutes where the score was nil-nil, uh, I didn't see a dominating team. I didn't see a team that uh, created many, many clear chances. Obviously, they had possession and they played on the oppos- opposing side of the, of the field, but they didn't create many chances. But then, after they scored the first goal, they just piled on it. They, I mean, maybe one minute it's nil-nil, they score the first, and then 10 minutes later it's 5-0, just like it happened in Valencia. And of course, if we're talking Barcelona, Alexia Putellas continues to make her case as the undisputed uh, uh, golden ball winner, I think she should be, because uh, the start of the season is basically as she started, as she finished, which is being the best player in in Hall of Football, in my in my opinion. I think we can all agree with that. Well, at least I think I pushed Justin Abdullah to agree with that. Um, obviously, as you mentioned against Valencia, she scored a hat trick in five or six minutes, um, very very casually. It wasn't just like easy hat tricks. There was one that was almost from half of the pitch. There was one where she nutmegged the player inside the box and then finished 
nutmeg there with their right foot and then finish with their left foot. Um, so quite, quite good hat trick. Um, not easiest, but Mark, again, you know, without stating the obvious of all the good things about Barcelona, which we can obviously tactically say a lot. Um, but what is it about this Barca Arsenal matchup in particular that you're most looking forward to? Well, I mean, as a person from Barcelona, I gotta say, uh, when the when the groups were had to be drawn, Barca could face Lyon, Wolfsburg, Arsenal, and Breidablik. I personally wanted Arsenal because I want to see Midema live. I just want to see her live uh, on the pitch, like right in front of me. Because yeah, let's. I think we we can all face it. Last year and few past years with uh, Joe Montemorro uh, as a coach, yeah, Arsenal were good, but they maybe liked something. But you see this year, and yeah, Manchester City is riddled with injuries, but they they had a, a dominating performance against them. They were better than Chelsea, in my opinion, in in week one. And I just see an Arsenal team that's that's really good. And and in my opinion, uh, obviously, Olympique the Olympique Lyonnais was the most difficult team Barca could face. But I believe Arsenal is second in in front of even Wolfsburg. Maybe that's that's a, a bold statement, but I don't know. I I what I've seen from the Jonas Eidable squad is is really is really promising. And and I think that. That yeah, Barca is the favorite, but Arsenal could give them a run for their money in the Jochen Cruyff and then on England when the two teams face face again. I'm really excited about about this, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the main reason is because I get to see Vivian Midema play live. I think I think that's fair. I obviously went to Barcelona a few weeks ago and I got to see Alexio Putellas live, so I feel the same way. But yeah, it's you know we we can talk about the matchups all over the pitch. Um, you know you have Beth Mead going up against Caroline Graham Hansen, Nikita Paris or Tobin Heath going up against uh, Mariona. Then you have Viv Oshwala direct lineup, and then you have you know Alexio Putellas, Kim Little. Um, you know, we can go all over the pitch. Mapilo and Iran Paredes against Leo Williamson. Um, you know, the, the matchup and the comparisons between both sides are really, really interesting and we can go on forever. But it, I am really intrigued um, how, I mean, quite literally how it goes up against. So I'm really intrigued to how the Barcelona fullbacks, we've mentioned earlier that perhaps that's probably the weakest position in the Barcelona squad. Um, going up against the likes of Nikita Paris, Beth Mead, you know, Katie McCabe, all these big name players that Arsenal have on the wing. Um, but Jesse, you know, as we mentioned, matchups all over the pitch. Some players are very polar opposites in the terms of like style of play. Um, obviously, I think that's just not player based, but just England versus Spain, Arsenal versus Barcelona in general. Um, but what section of the pitch are you most looking forward to seeing? Oh, and I think especially now Ideval's playing this, you know, direct style that we've been talking about. It's almost like he's, you know, really bringing like classic England. I feel like if it was Montemuro, we'd be almost looking at more similar teams. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's probably is that left kind of wing position up against right back. I felt like, you know, Chelsea really didn't do anything to exploit anything against Barcelona. But if there was some joy, it was maybe from Panila Harder running into that kind of space. And Lauren Hemp also did quite well in that kind of area last season. 
So I think, you know, Arsenal have had a great start to the season, really exploiting that space on the wing, looking to get in behind. And I think we have seen that potentially that is one of Barcelona's frailties. And then also from kind of an English perspective, I'll be really intrigued to see how Leah Williamson uh, deals with Barcelona's attackers. I think, you know, there's been a lot of conversation in England, obviously, around Leah Williamson, whether she plays at centre-back, whether she plays in midfield, um, as she was used internationally uh this month so i think it'll be really i feel like we've not seen her be properly tested against like elite elite attackers you know i feel like in in some of the past games maybe game he's kind of been let down by other players on the pitch it hasn't it's been quite hard to judge her and then even in the Chelsea game at the start of this season it just felt like Arsenal were kind of so good at controlling the ball in midfield again that that she wasn't always put under a huge amount of pressure so I'm going to be really intrigued to see how she stands up to you know by far and away the best attacking side in Europe. I definitely agree with that. I'm really intrigued to see how what well, Williamson and kind of whoever plays that six, whether it be, you know, Leo Walty, uh, Frieda Manum, uh, whoever may be playing that six, that how they deal with, you know, Alexia Poteas going up high, you know, potentially, obviously, Mariona sometimes plays centrally. Obviously, her and Australia gets interchanged quite a bit, but how they deal with kind of that high number 10, that high midfield and kind of, they're kind of playing against a Vivian Niedema who likes to drop in deep, uh, receive the ball, play make, but then you have, then you add on top of that Alexia Poteas who comes in behind. So I'm, I am really intrigued to see how the Arsenal defensively deal with this new kind of style of play that they've never really been up against. But Mark, each team has to play every team twice, obviously. But do you think, you know, you mentioned before of Barcelona maybe being the favourites in this case scenario, but maybe sometimes underestimating Arsenal in this situation in particular? Do you think that Barcelona can get all points available to them in the group stage? Or do you potentially see Barca dropping a point or two against Arsenal? Well, I mean, we can be clear that Barcelona is 100% the favourite to win all matches in this group stage. I, I think that's that's just a fact. When we read the paper and we we study the the theory, uh, we think that Barcelona may be eighteen of eighteen. But then again, you have to play the matches, and yeah, I could see them them maybe uh, getting a tie in England. I don't think that Arsenal will tie or even win in Johan Cruyff basically because uh, Barcelona has played 36 games there and has won all 36. So I believe it when I see it that uh, Barcelona is capable of dropping points in, in their stadium. But, you know, I'm, inter- I'm, I'm really curious uh, about uh, what can happen uh, next uh, next uh, Thursday, Tuesday, uh, October the 5th, because... As you were talking about the about the style of play of Arsenal, uh, Barcelona really has done something interesting that uh, I just remembered because with Leila Wahabi being out, uh, Ana Maria Chernorcevic played on the left, and it seems like and it seemed like a four three three, a classic four three three scheme. But then again, these last uh, two past these past two weeks, uh, Giraldez has tried Rolfo as a left as a left fullback. But uh, she had the whole left side to her. So she could attack, she could defend. And when she attacked, Mariona was going to the center of the pitch. So Mariona was attacking the middle to leave uh, the space for the Swedish to do whatever she wanted on the left side. So I don't know. That's um, I don't know if that's a tryout. She uh, If Giraldez tried it out against Valencia and against Betis, but when a team like Arsenal comes, she will uh, return to a more classic lineup. 
or maybe we can see that uh, also against Arsenal because uh, yeah, as uh, in in La Liga, uh, it has paid its dues, and and so so yeah. But again, uh, the wings are uh, Barca's weakness, and we could uh, we could do the air quotes on that weakness. But if uh, there's some damage to be done. I don't see Hoffenheim or Kirke doing uh, any damage in uh, 90 minutes that can last 90 minutes. But I do see Arsenal with obviously Vivian Midema, which, by the way, I think is the best full on striker, like classic striker. I think she's the best striker in the world. So I think she could she could do some damage and Arsenal really could uh, steal a point from Barcelona if uh, you could consider it a steal. Yeah, I think we mentioned it um, in an earlier podcast about how Barcelona's weakness is purely just literally the weakest part of the pitch not necessarily because it is weak when you compare it to other teams um it's just solely based on the barcelona team um but yeah i mean poor valencia had to deal with mariona oshuala and caroline graham hansen up top alexia puteas patrick harro and, and, and claudia pina in the middle and then you have fririna rolfo coming in as a fullback so very sorry valencia that you had to deal <laughs> with that i mean it's quite ridiculous when you have a, a three up top like that and then you have fririna rolfo kind of free on the wing um to do whatever she wants in the attack from the fullback position but Abdullah, we keep mentioning it here, what Ida ball means. I don't know, Mark, if you, if you know that the Ida ball kind of little play with words there. So new tactics of Ida ball means a bit more direct play than they did under Joe Montemuro. But how well can you see this low possession based, high press, direct football um, style play work at, against a team like Barcelona? Well, you know, in theory... I'd say it can work because if there's any formation that's, I'm sorry, if there's any system that's going to work against a heavy, heavy uh, possession-based team like Barcelona, it's going to be uh, someone who wants to be able to play direct football, sit back, counterattack, and, and kind of pick holes in the spaces. You know, we talked about, you know, quote unquote, the weak areas being the white, the white areas. And I mean, if Arsenal theoretically can, can win the ball back in dangerous places, probably in the middle third or, or even, even defensively and use the pace that they have and really hit those, those interior channels uh, on the wide areas, then, you know, potentially they've got, they've got a chance They're probably, uh, you know, I, I would probably say that they might get one or two. I don't think they're going to get more than a couple of chances to really make something clear cut. They might get a few half chances on, on set pieces and things like that, but I think clear cut, I think they'll only get a couple and they're going to have to be clinical, but just the way Barcelona have been looking since last season, you know, you, you find it very difficult to think how Arsenal are going to be able to win the ball back in a in a in a good enough position for them to be able to exploit these spaces and weaknesses that Barcelona might have. Because from build up, I think I think Barcelona have more than enough to be able to press, you know, press, counter press, and and be able to close the, you know, suffocate spaces and be able to win the ball back when they can. Because Arsenal will be forced to go long like that, which is which is kind of what they do. And if more more often than not that pass is going to go to a defender, it's going to go to a centre back or a full back. They have to restart and set back and shape again. So realistically, I, I don't see how. I, I think Barcelona has to make a mistake for Arsenal to be able to get a proper chance and score. Like I, I think that's how good uh, I think. It's not, a, it's not a knack on Arsenal. I think that's how, just how good Barcelona is and how good a form they're in right now. And Mark, adding a question for you, looking at you know this new style of play that Jonas Eideval, um has brought in and against a team like Barcelona, who you obviously know really well, and I think we've gotten to know really well in general. Where do you think that Arsenal will be able to... I mean, Abdullah mentioned there, you know, set pieces, mistakes, but outside of that, is there a particular area of the pitch that you think 
Arsenal will be able to exploit and likewise Barcelona against Arsenal? Is there a particular kind of place that you think that Barcelona are going to have a lot of joy in? Well, when when we talk about Barcelona and, and their strengths, I mean, it's just play their style of game. I think they have the best midfield in the world with uh, Patri, Alexia and Aitana. So if those three can control the game, especially Patri, I really like Patri in the construction of the of the attack. And Barcelona really last year had a lot of trouble when a player like Patri was covered and couldn't breathe and had really problems with finding her teammates. So I think that's a, a really key uh, keep figure on the Barcelona team to be able to construct attacks. But then again, against Granadilla, Betis and Valencia, you don't see teams that really put up a, a, a fair fight against Barcelona because they are really outmatched. But what I saw mainly on the preseason and uh, was against uh, Houston Dash and Olympique Lyonnais was, yeah, Barcelona really had troubles with the crosses, with the crosses and set pieces and also on the on some counterattacks, the defenders were not as um, as aggressive as they should be to maybe cut off the the counterattack and get a yellow. But yeah, cut off the the counterattack so the other team don't uh, don't have the chance to progress. When I think about Arsenal, I think yeah, you have to really try your crosses because Barcelona hasn't not defended uh, defended them well, and set pieces are important. But I really think that on counterattacks. This team has shown little weakness, mainly on the preseason. But uh, if they haven't had the chance to work really hard on those, I think uh, yeah, Arsenal's speed and uh, direct style of play can really, can really at least put some fear on Barcelona fans, maybe even the coach and player. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's interesting, obviously, what you mentioned there. I think we're all big. Patri Haro fans on this podcast also uh, really admire yeah what you mentioned just like her it's, it's, it's that position that doesn't get enough spotlight maybe because she doesn't you know she doesn't score the goals she, does, she won't put the assist in but it's that that necessary player to connect the defensive passing into the attacking and, and give the attackers Put the put the attackers in that position to be able to then go and, and score a goal, for example. Um, and it is going to be quite interesting because we saw against Man City in particular, Kim Little playing a really high 10 and her pressing really, really high with Viv Miedema. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of pick up on that and maybe put Kim Little on her. Against Man City, a lot of the times they were double teaming uh, the players that got the ball and making them force them play back and then kind of gain those yards ahead. Um, so it should be really interesting in particular, Kim Little, whoever plays in that 10 position, whether it be her or Mane Wabuchi or Frida Manum, I trust that Jonas would probably make the right decision in the player. And then if not, hopefully react um, to what Barcelona are doing. Um, but Jesse, another team in this group, and I know you're looking forward to seeing Hoffenheim in London against Arsenal, but how much of a say do you think Hoffenheim will have in terms of who finishes First and second, I know Mark is really, really confident that Barcelona are going to be out and out first. But of course, I've mentioned, I think we can all say that we're confident that that's likely going to be the case. But at the same time, it's football and anything can happen. So it could be down to a, a team like Koffenheim that it's probably going to come out in third place and be that little, you know, that little nagging team that kind of makes it not as easy as the bigger teams expect them to be, if that makes sense. Um, but how much do you think they can exploit teams like Arsenal and Barcelona in this case scenario? Yeah, it's a tricky one because I think if you're talking about Hoffenheim playing Barcelona or Arsenal in a one-off game, both Arsenal and Barcelona would win. You know, I love Hoffenheim. I think they're really exciting going forward, but they can often be quite open at the back. 
their like fun vibe tends to be like quite high scoring uh, games um, for that reason. You know, like even with the uh, Rosengard, who they knocked out to get here, there was like obviously the 3-3 in the second leg after Hoffenheim were 3-0 up. So I think the one factor that will be interesting is Hoffenheim are definitely the best third place team of any of these groups, you know, and something that all of these teams are going to have to deal with is the intensity of matches. These teams have never played in that way before. You know, we know how strong Barcelona's squad is. We've talked, you know, this season about how Arsenal have really improved their squad and there is a lot more depth there. But I guess what will be interesting to see is, you know, can Hoffenheim land a punch when maybe these teams are rotating more, they're tired, there's like more travel than they used to. Ultimately, I think it's probably unlikely, but it's definitely going to be more interesting to watch than I think in any of the other groups because I don't really feel like there's any other team who, you know, other than the the ones or twos who are really going to, you know, offer that kind of threat. And, you know, I think it will also be interesting to see how much attention Arsenal and Barcelona are paying to that because, you know, for teams like, you know, Chelsea and and Wolfsburg or whatever, they're going to focus on those two games as the real like moments where they're going to like slug it out for who comes top. But I guess it's whether Arsenal or Barcelona look at a team like Hoffenheim and think, you know, do we need to hold something back? Do we need to be bearing that in mind? It's really hard to predict, but I think, I think they're going to be interesting games for sure. I think, unfortunately, I think most of the groups have the top two teams kind of settled out already. Um, obviously, in this case, it would be Arsenal, Barcelona, and then you have Lyon, Bayern Munich, probably uh, PSG, Real Madrid. I think the only one would be kind of Chelsea, Wolfsburg, Juventus, and how much Juventus can actually take out of the group. But at the end of the day, Wolfsburg does have more experience in the Champions League, is the better side overall. So I think, unfortunately, the top two teams will probably be established at this point in each group. Um, and then it's just a matter of these third place teams being good enough to kind of challenge a bit more. Uh, and maybe it isn't about qualifying for the quarterfinals, for example, in this case, it would be more about showing the best football possible against the likes of Barcelona Arsenal, who perhaps take a step down from their highest level of football, if that makes sense, as you put it, Jesse, also. But Abdullah, going into the stats, Arsenal have scored 12 goals, 12, wow, there goes goals is the right word to say they've scored 12 goals i said it again (laughs) 12 goals so far in the wsl um the highest in the wsl they are sitting top of the league and they have an xg of 6.28 um fourth highest in the league so far but do you think they can keep overperforming and keep this attacking style play successfully in the women's champions league you know i think that's the ultimate question they, they did it against Chelsea, obviously, and they showed it against Manchester City. But I think you can caveat that by saying that City haven't, you know, I, I mean, nothing to take away from Arsenal, but City didn't have a preseason. They've just, just, they've just had a terrible couple of weeks. Like, I don't think I've seen them ever this, this, this poor in the league, you know, considering, uh, you know, how they've generally been playing. But, you know, we all know about Gareth Taylor's selection, uh, you know, decisions and everything. But, in terms of in terms of whether they can do it, I think against the Hoffenheims and and the others of you know of the group and and these kind of teams, I don't see that being an issue. The key thing is now to see how they do against a top 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 quality side. If they can outperform their xG in a game like this, whether that means scoring a goal or two and say having an xG that's that's up you know that's maybe maybe a little bit less or 
whatever, then I think, yes, then that, that in, in some ratio will translate to that. It'll be important because they've, it looks like they've found uh, a, a balance between attack and defense where they were able to score a lot of goals, create high quality chances and being able to keep clean sheets. And, and you know, obviously first game of the season aside, they gave away two sloppy goals. But again, you can put that out to first game of the season, still getting used to the system and all that. But they're getting better and better. And, and I'm excited to see how they come up against um you know, uh, Boston, and obviously we've talked about the need for, you know, being very clinical, ruthless, and, and kind of, you know, taking advantage of mistakes or anything else that comes up. So um, I think that's what makes Arsenal, it, it, whatever percentage of chance they have to win, I think this is what gives them that edge because they've been so clinical in the league and they've shown this high propensity for uh, scoring goals and really creating attacks. And I mean, let's look, let's look at their depth. I mean, you can start off with like Beth Mead, Katie McCabe and Viv up front. And then suddenly you've got Mano Abuchi, Tobin Heath and Nikita Paris to come off the bench. So it's not like they're lacking in, in, in different styles and profiles of players to bring on and finding a combination that, that could potentially work. So when you've got six, seven options to choose from, you know, there, there is a high, higher, higher probability that, you know, you will probably try and find a way to, to score goals. So I'm excited. I think we all are. I definitely am. I, I tried to book a flight to Barcelona, but I, I decided to, to not do it for some reason. Are you going to uh, buy but- more gear? <laughs> Uh, don't even, don't even, <laughs> don't even. but Mark, yeah, coming back to Barcelona a little bit and, and kind of looking beyond this group stage that obviously I think we can confidently say that Barcelona and Arsenal are going to progress into the quarterfinals. Um, but looking at Barcelona as a whole, you know, as you mentioned, new coach, not really that big style of play. He did, he was working with Luis Cortez. So it's kind of the same style of play overall. Then you have new players like Frido Rolfo, um, as a player's caller, I've definitely, it's a lot easier saying Frido Lina. Obviously, uh, Frido. Ingrid Engen obviously still hasn't really been able to play much for Barcelona, but I think we yeah, can all just, agree that she's a really good player. Um, yeah, just one game. Yeah. Um, then you have, you know, a player like Claudia Pina coming back to Barcelona, which I think she's performed really well so far. Really proved herself last season in the Primera Iberdrola. But apart, yeah, outside of this group stage into the, the knockout stage, you know, should Barcelona come up against Chelsea again, for example, how do you think that's going to go? How far do you think that Barcelona can go in this competition again? I mean, the the whole point of anything is to repeat. The objective is to repeat the clear uh, the clear focus of the team, yeah, they will say, yeah, we're going game by game, but the clear focus is to repeat and uh, win another Champions and win another Champions League. Maybe, but anything can happen. Maybe Chelsea had their uh, Budapest experience. And when I say that is Barcelona lost 4-1 in Budapest against Olympique Lyonnais. Then two years later, they won the, the final of the Champions League 4-0. So maybe Chelsea had their... Budapest experience, they won't that won't happen again. Maybe Barcelona has to face up against Lyon. Maybe they lose. Who knows? Who knows what can happen? Anything can happen, but uh Barcelona obviously has the focus to repeat. And uh, based on what we saw last season and based on what the on the players that uh, the team has, the team has to be one of the favorites to win uh, the UEFA Women's Champions League. I think I think it's easily predictable what we're all going to say, but maybe perhaps more on the the specific points that we think that maybe Barcelona or Arsenal are going to qualify with. Group predictions. Mark will go with you last. Um, Abdullah, what are you saying for for this group prediction? I mean, is there any other way to go with this? <laughs> Barcelona top, Arsenal second, Hoffenheim third, and uh, you know we 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 end uh, we go with that with H H B Koge. 
Is that how we is that how we pronounce it? Or I'm not. There, there's an there's an accent on the O that I don't know how to pronounce. All right. So they they go forth. So that's that's my. Okay, Jesse. More specific question of the predictions to make this a little bit better. Do you think that Arsenal can take points off of Barcelona, or will Barcelona be the perfect group stage? Honestly, I don't think so. No, maybe I'm just like a bitter Chelsea fan, but <laughs> you know, I think we've seen Barcelona blow a lot of teams away. You know, and I really like what Idaval's doing with this Arsenal team. I think it's really exciting, but I'm still not. I'm still not sure if it will be quite be enough just because I think this Barcelona team is so good and they're so settled. And, you know, I think there are still a lot of weaknesses slash question marks, I think, especially defensively with with this Arsenal side, you know, which I think Barcelona will just be too good for. And But yeah, I think Arsenal will come come second. But I do think um, Koga will be interesting. You know, they've had a, a lot of investment in them and kind of like taking the Danish league by storm from nowhere. So, you know, we've spoken about Hoffenheim being tricky. Again, I feel like you never know. Sometimes strange things can happen in football. So it'll be interesting to see. So basically you're saying that if Barcelona can do it to Chelsea, they can do it to Arsenal also. Something like that. I'm saying that <laughs> Barcelona have done it to almost every team they've like faced in a competitive fixture over the past <laughs> year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's so hard, I think, with mm. Idaval when you've got such a small sample size of games to go off and I think the only worry for me would be how easily Arsenal not easily but you know they conceded two still to Chelsea at home Mm -hmm. for me that would be a red flag in a game that Arsenal you know dominated they were the better side they were at home they were catching Chelsea out to still concede two there says to me that a side like Barcelona who are even better at attacking than Chelsea are probably going to blow you away (laughs) I think that's fair to say. That's fair to say. And my kind of, obviously you said group predictions of, of Barcelona going cleanly through, but kind of a last big question for you and, and particularly more for the listeners of the podcast. If there was one particular aspect, a particular player that you would advise someone to look forward to in this Barcelona side, who would you say or what would you say? I know I'm putting on the spot there. Oh, yeah, but kind but of I mean- that, the first thing that comes to mind of what you're really looking forward to. I mean, but so many, so many to choose from. But uh, yeah, well, what I said, what I'm looking for is uh, well, seeing Viv Midema play live. But when you when you have to face Barcelona, you have to think Alexia because yeah, in in Barcelona or in Spain or in Europe, there's no such thing as a franchise player. Maybe that's more a, an American concept, but. Yeah, Alexia is the is the franchise. Uh, she's the franchise player of Barcelona. She's the poster girl. She's uh, everywhere. And yeah, maybe Carlin Graham Hansen is the most uh, most prolific technically. Or uh, maybe uh, Jenny Hermoso is the one with the um, more talent uh, in the goal scoring. Uh, Irene Paredes is a great uh, centre-back and a great signing. Uh, they have uh, Sandra Pañas, who may or may not play because today she went down with an injury. But... They have a, an amazing team all around, but when you think Barcelona, you think Alexia Putellas. But just to answer the question of group predictions, I just want to have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to say Barcelona will finish with 16 points, exactly. Five wins, one tie. And Arsenal will finish with 11 points, three wins, two ties, one with Hoffenheim, and one loss. Ooh, yeah, manifesting the vibes. 
just, just to have a little bit that. of fun. I, I can see that potentially. But okay, we're manifesting the vibes on this podcast first. We'll see about that. Uh, I could honestly, it's yeah, I think Hoffenheim, or as just mentioned, are probably the, the best third place team in the Women's Champions League at the moment. Kind of an, a very underrated team in, in a lot of the small aspects of, of football when you watch football and kind of the underappreciated side of the football in terms of the simplicity of doing the simple things right and I, I'm going to get carried away with talking about this, but yeah, but yeah, we'll just leave it there for now on this Barcelona side. Obviously, we can probably do a whole podcast about this and, and Barcelona and, and Arsenal even. Um, the tactics are obviously really interesting and we hope that you guys are as excited as us. Obviously, I think we, we put that through as we talked about it. But yeah, thank you to Mark for joining us again and we'll probably see him in the future again. Obviously, Barcelona are most likely going to progress. So ahead of the quarterfinals, maybe. Thank you again, Mark. It's been my pleasure every every time you've called, which is now two times. I've really enjoyed our conversation, so thank you very much. And for your sake, maybe I hope that the results are different this time. <laughs> I'm going as a neutral. As a fan of both teams, I'm neutral that day. I have to say that. Uh, but yeah, thank you to Mark. Moving on to Group D, which consists of Lyon, Bayern Munich, Haken from Sweden and Benfica from Portugal. Now, Lyon failed to win the Champions League last year for the first time since 2016. PSG knocked them out in the quarterfinals in a thriller second leg. Uh, PSG were down 1-0 after the first leg and came back to win 2-1, 2-2 uh, on, on away. Now, our, our guest right now just has a disgusted face on after that. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to revisit the bad stuff. Oh, definitely, definitely. We always revisit the best stuff on this podcast if yeah um but yeah that was a, a good day for women's football not so much for ariana we i am sorry uh but that leads us to the introduction of our next guest ariana scavetti a leon blogger and how are you after how are you apart from that little introduction that we just did you know other than that uh, i'm good i'm feeling hopeful and optimistic and rejuvenated to to go get some trophies back that's actually, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the rejuvenation a bit later in the podcast. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll touch, we won't go too far on last season. We'll, we'll use it as a stepping stone for this season. Talk about See you what know, I go through every, the every positives. Champions League. <laughs> the I mean, I guess, side of it. I guess it's fine for us to understand what other teams must feel like every year. You know, it was the first time in six years. Let us, let us have a moment. <laughs> you guys had six years before that. Yeah, that was uh, wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, you know, a lot of people called last year the downfall of Lyon just because of their inability to kind of roll over the teams um, like they used to in, in history. But I don't, I think the three of us could agree on this podcast that it's it's a little bit less of Lyon's incline and quality and, and kind of play and players. But I think it's more about the teams around in Europe um, that are closing the gap between them and Lyon and finally able to compete with probably the best team in Europe in the history of it so far. But Ariana, do you want to summarize Lyon last year and what you thought in their loss in the Champions League against PSG, um, but also how you think they'll react this season? Yeah, I, you know, I think last year in some ways it, it was a little bit like time catches up with everyone. Like you said, other teams are getting better and PSG has spent years and years thinking of almost nothing but how can we beat Lyon and yeah, there was always going to be a day when they were going to get the better of Leon. I think too, you know, last year was 
Leon was in a really tricky spot. They were missing Ada Hegerberg for the whole year. They were missing Greg Bach for the whole year. They had injuries at various times to Henri and Lissamere. And, you know, we've gotten so used to them overcoming those kinds of challenges that you can lose sight of the fact that it that's a big hit to the team and they weren't scoring goals. And you look at someone like Adam missing and, and that makes sense. I think the biggest surprise with how Leon played last year was really for me, at least in the midfield, you know, a midfield with Marajan, Henri and Kumagai is usually going to be the envy of pretty much every team in the world. And yet last year, they just did not look as, connected as they had in previous years and especially in those PSG games you know the midfield really just got run over I think um so now we come back this year you know Mbach is back that's a big boost to the defense you have a totally revamped uh midfield essentially you know Marijan on loan um Kuma guys moved on we brought in a lot of new folks there uh and I think it did you know I think losing out on all the trophies a year after winning five trophies really is serving as motivation for the team to really want to go back and, and kind of show everyone that it was a one year off, not the end of an era. Yeah, that's fair to say. I think, you know, we'll talk about that a bit on the, the kind of the player, I wouldn't say rotation, but the flip of everything. Cause it's, it's kind of been offloading and, and unloading between PSG and Lyon, particularly a lot this season as well, but they've offloaded a couple of players like Nikita Paris, Karchawi to PSG, Kumagai to Bayern Munich, and then Eugenie Lissomed, Zenever Maratsan and Suarez Boadi are on loan to the NWSL with Oil Rain, of course, um, but they won't be playing in the Champions League. That's what we're trying to say. Um, but so there's not that big, big name players for Lyon at the moment. You know, as you mentioned there, Ariana, um, Maratsan and Eugenie Lissomed have been historic at the club. You know, they've been there for the big moments and they've been key players in those big moments as well. But on the other hand, they brought in the world's best goalkeeper, Christian Inler. Um, Daniela van der Donk, <laughs> Jesse's just giving me a disappointed look. Um, obviously, Daniela van der Donk from Arsenal, uh, Senior Broom from PSG, Perla um, Moroni from PSG, and Emily Ro- Laurent from Atletico Madrid as well. Um, and of course, as you mentioned also, Ariana, Ada Hegerberg is back. And that is kind of almost like a new signing there. Um, we hope anyway. Yeah, that's true. We'll see her back soon. It seems like she's on her way, hopefully soon, but we'll see if she gets to, you know, play those big Champions League matches, especially against Bayern Munich. Might be a bit too soon for that one. Um, but Jesse, you know, as we mentioned earlier, also rejuvenated. Do you think Lyon this season is a bit more refreshed, rejuvenated after last season? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely when you look at those players who've come in, it is like clearly a big refresh. I think it's interesting because, you know, I think some of those signings feel really like stand out. Like Endler obviously has been like an exceptional goalkeeper for a very long period of time. Moroni as well feels like a really, really strong addition. And then others, you know, Van der Dong, she's a great player, but she's not exactly like someone who'd really necessarily pick out as a, as a star name, like to rejuvenate a team. So I think it's an interesting mix. And I think, you know, kind of what Ariana's tapped, touched on is interesting is in in many ways it feels like the return of Mbok and Hegerberg if Hegerberg does come back you know Mbok's like already looking like she's back really well so you know they're they feel like they're much more important additions to this Leon side I think maybe than the signings themselves um but you know I think it's going to be really interesting to to see 
and this is why I'm so excited for this Champions League group stage in general to see um, big teams kind of get to play each other early on because it's so hard when you look at the the French league to really take away a huge amount from those opening games that Lyon have played. Yeah, they've like looked great and they've breezed through it. They scored like a load of goals, but they they tend to do that most of the time anyway. So it feels like it's only when we start to see them play tougher teams that we'll really be able to see um you know what this kind of new generation of Leon looks like. And I think that's going to be like really exciting. Yeah, and I think we have to wait a bit longer to see that side of Leon in Europe as well, because obviously the first group stage is against Hacken from Sweden. So, I mean, it is still the group stage of the Women's Champions League, but at the same time, it's not going to be a Bayern Munich, for example, that's going to really be... I think the bigger teams have a bit more of a revenge kind of mode against Leon in particular. Um, obviously, the, the smaller teams would want to, you know, get as close as we saw um, last season with Brondby, um, you know, they essentially lost against a big difference, but they held on for quite a long time. And that was really impressive. But Abdullah, you know, someone else that knows this team quite well, having written a book about them and all, um, which if listeners you haven't gotten yet, it's called Queens of Europe. And you should definitely get on that um, before the next book comes out. So read that one before the next one does. Um, but back to Leon and this Women's Champions League. Abdullah, your thoughts on how they will, you know, outside of players and outside of uh, Diwan Arkema, how do you think they'll get on the season in Europe? First of all, thanks for the plug. Appreciate it. Um, no, I think, I think um, I'm excited for the season, honestly, because um, this refresh that we've been talking about, it's been coming, it's been needed. I think last season just felt a little bit stagnated with all the players that were there. I think after just going on this, like not really dominating as they did and, and kind of everybody just it was almost like they were devoid of ideas and it needed a refresh for them to rethink and rejuvenate themselves into thinking okay we need fresh ideas a fresh mind and I think there was already a lot of criticism towards Jean-Luc Vasseur where he just felt very one-dimensional he didn't really have any plan b's it was almost like you know straight swaps in the same position and really there was no difference it was like all right one player for another but there was no tactical change and I think a lot of the big teams like like Alex like you said we, we've said that teams have caught up and whereas before Lyon could feel these 11 star players and get away with the same tactics and just beating teams by being bullies I think because everybody caught up it was very difficult to be able to do that and not evolve tactically and I think with Sonia coming in it it really has brought a fresh perspective and that combined with new players coming in and the, and the players of the quality of Endler, yeah, Signe Brun, Moroni, Van der Donk, you know, all these, and then Ada and obviously Grieg coming back. I think all of that put together, I think this early signs are good. And the, like I said, I think we won't really know what they're going to do in Europe until they play Bayern Munich because we have to see how this team does while they've had an impressive start. We need to see how this team does against a Bayern Munich. And, and we have to see whether this team can now step, this new generation can step up with Ade Hegelberg out because if they can do it, it becomes a very scary proposition because once Ade is back in that team, you know, sky's the limit for, for this new generation to be able to be, be led forward. Ariana, Abdullah touched on it just a little bit there on Sonia. Um, obviously, now she gets her first full season uh, with Lyon, having been appointed in April. Um, so pretty end of the season last season, um, especially in the middle of a pandemic, not really um, the best time to start a new job in that approach. Um, but was this kind of the refreshment that Lyon needed to be able to perhaps to have that change of mentality and approach that Abdullah mentioned as well to get to the teams that are a lot better than they used to be, you know, before it was a different mentality of 
we are the best in Europe and we can confidently say that without anyone kind of opposing to that. But now it's not the same. It's not the same approach that they would do to these teams. It's not, you know, it's not a given that Leon is going to win anymore. So what are your thoughts on Sonia so far on that aspect? Yeah, I absolutely agree. It was, it was a needed change. And I think so far it looks like it was the right change. I think, you know, with how dominant Leon had been, there was sort of this sense of you have the fastest race car. It almost doesn't matter who's driving it. So you could have someone like Pedro Servasser who didn't have to offer a lot tactically and didn't have to be all that creative. They just pointed the best players at the problem and waited for them to score goals and win. And I think, you know, what Abdul is like stagnant. That was, that sounds exactly right to me. There wasn't, a lot of movement on the pitch. It was predictable. It was there. There wasn't really a sense of how to solve problems. So you bring in someone like Sonia, who has, you know, a, a lot of experience with the academy and can maybe get the best out of some of these younger players that she has kind of more familiarity with. She's also really got this like sort of sense of Leon DNA. You know, she's been a part of the club for so long, and I think brings some of that that competitive fire to the team. Uh, so I think that's been, I think that's a, a good hire. And I think, yeah, like we've said, the early returns seem good. The, the movement seems better. The team's playing a little more free flowing and you, you see the players, I think progressing as well, especially, you know, someone like Macario, whether that's a combination of having gotten more comfortable in France over the past couple months, which I'm sure plays a, a big factor. Um, and maybe having kind of new ideas from the coaching staff. I think that also is going to push the team forward to have players like Macario and Millard stepping up and playing a bigger role. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's insane that we've mentioned so many players and we haven't even gotten to the kind of the surface of a player like Katarina Macario or, or Millard, who's absolutely outstanding. Um, and of course, we don't have enough time in the world on this podcast, so we'll, we'll stick to the plan and we'll go to stats now with Abdullah. Um, Leon have had a bright start to the domestic season, um, top of the league in goals with 19 so far, um, top XG with 18.13, top shots, dribbles and crosses in the league. Their attack seems to be clicking into place. Abdullah, what do you put this down to? And do you think they can replicate this in the Women's Champions League? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy and kind of talking about, you know, just kind of, you know, going back on that refresh. I mean, if the refresh is causing them to not concede any goals and score 19 within with an XG of 18.13, obviously they're they're outperforming that and uh, you know, creating really high quality chances. It just goes to show that, you know, Sonia's new tactics and this new, basically this new formed attack is coming together quite nicely. You know, uh, you've got Macario now, you know, you're leading the line. You've got Millard on the left. You've got uh, Cascarino on the right. And then you've got, you know, whether it's Van der Donk or Amal Majri, uh, whoever's playing as a number 10. But it's it's that even that rotation of players means that there's actually a system in place because their, their performance levels haven't really dropped. I mean, I know it's, again, small sample size, quality of teams, et cetera, et cetera, but just kind of taking that into isolation, whether it's Van der Donk, whether it's Magie, it does, there doesn't seem to be a drop in performance as such. I mean, against, I think, Levante, the, the qualifying games, that was probably the toughest test that they've had so far. And I actually think that 
the Lyon of last season might have lost those games, you know, after, you know, they went 2-0 up, if I remember the second leg, and then Levante came back and scored the goal. I actually fully thought last season's team might have let that slip and 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 given away, you know, given away that lead and probably drawn the game. But this team went ahead, scored the third goal, and 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 they got through. So for me, that's reason for optimism, reason for you know to be thinking. Okay, I think things can happen. I think they can do well, and I'm excited to see them against Bayern Munich because, in some sense, it's it's the first game. Whenever they play them, obviously the second game, it's. I don't want to say it's a free hit. But it's the group stages. You're not going to be completely penalized by if you draw, lose that first game. So it's almost like, okay, let this front front team play. Let's see how this team performs against them. And, you know, just just no pressure. And looking at possibly Leon's hardest um, matchup in this group in particular, Jesse, Bayern Munich are one of those teams who have improved a lot within the last couple of years, um, particularly last year when they won the league for the first time Um you know, in Wolfsburg, I think it was four or five years in a row that Wolfsburg had won the league and Bayern Munich have finally stepped up and, and kind of gotten their place as a top of uh, Germany again. Um, so how do you see talking what we've you know spoken about Lyon so far and kind of coming up against those big teams again this season and, and the refreshment that they've had in the team? How do you see that matchup going? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fascinating set of games. Firstly, because it feels like Bayern and Leon are almost in in the opposite positions. You know, Bayern were the challenger who really came good last season. Leon were kind of the the traditional side who got who got pushed up their perch. And um, these these fixtures, both teams have really tricky domestic. Uh, games which fall in between them. Leon have PSG and, and Bayern have Wolfsburg. So it's going to be a serious run of games for for those for both of them. And I do wonder if Leon might just have the depth to to get the better of them. Um, but I think Bayern will have learned a lot from last season. You know, I think they'll feel like that semi-final, those two legs against Chelsea, they, you know, maybe were a bit naive at points, maybe. Chelsea's, you know, experience in the Champions League is ultimately what helped hold them over the line. But I think, you know, buying they're, they're a young team and they'll have learned a lot from that. And, you know, I think they they will be a real threat for Leon. There's some fantastic players there. Leah Schuler's had an insane start to the season, both domestically and internationally. You know, I think she'll be, you know, really quite terrifying up front. They they've brought in some exciting players as well. So yeah, it's just why these, these group stages are going to be so good because this is just a really like high level, you know, competitive match. And and I think also both teams, you know, might be pushed by a team like Hakan as well, you know, in this group. Having what's going to be really fascinating is going to be to see how the number of games teams are having to play might take its toll. That's something I feel like we've never really experienced obviously within the women's game having not had a group stage before and it seemed like Hacken feels like they could be a potential banana skin if um you know teams are struggling to play those back-to-back fixtures and lastly Ariana before we we talk about a team you're not too fond of is there is there anything else you want to add about Leon this season and kind of what to expect from them from your point of view I think we've seen over the years that Leon play best when they're angry and when they have a lot of doubters. And I think it's, I think from a mentality perspective, you're going to see some of the complacency that creeped in over the past few years dissipate. And especially, you know, if, if, if Ada Hagerberg does complete the comeback, I think that's just going to give this team a boost that's going to carry them all the way through. So 
you know, for so many years, the strength of Leon was that they didn't get complacent and they kept winning and kept pushing to get better. The last few years, the complacency crept in and, and I think it's, I think it's gone now. And I think they're coming back fighting. It's definitely going to be in a, an intriguing season to see kind of how Leon uh, bounce back. Cause obviously after last season, a team of that caliber, as you mentioned before, you know, they have the mentality to push through and, and kind of get the better of, of that mentality, use it to, to their strength rather than their downfall, so to say. Um, but Ariana, we talked earlier in this episode with Om about Real Madrid, who are, of course, in PSG's group. And I know it's Lyon's rivals in France, um, but perhaps you watch them a bit more than we do following the French League. Um, but with it, also with the exchange of players uh, in this particular transfer window between Lyon and PSG, I thought that was really impressive uh, for me in particular. I just thought it was really interesting. Um, but what do you think of the Parisian side this season in particular after seeing the transfer window and kind of what happened last season? It's really interesting. It's it's a little bit hard to know what to make of PSG early on in the season, I think. I mean, they still have so much talent packed in that squad, right? Katato is great and Diani, the two of them when they're on the same page. That's it's a really hard duo to stop. You bring in someone like Kira Hamraoui, who's just been such a force, I think, in midfield, sort of wherever she's gone. Um, but they also did lose, you know, some big, some big players like Paredes and Endler, those players who kind of sure up the back line. And what we've seen early on is I, they had a horrible preseason, just I couldn't get it together, couldn't score, couldn't win. Uh, and even as they've started this season, some of the results have been close. A little one nothing win against Montpellier, 2 nothing against uh, Swayo. It almost feels a little bit like a regression back to pre-last year. I think when you watch D1F in years prior to last season, you'd see PSG and Lyon were winning all their games, but Lyon were winning by a lot and PSG were winning by a little. Last year, it was the opposite. PSG was running over opponents and Lyon were sneaking by them. And now we're sort of back to, to where we had been before. So, you know, I think PSG are, are a good side and they're going to they're going to do well in the champions league, but I don't know that I see this PSG group as being as close to being ready to go all the way as last year's group looked. That's very yeah, special mention to that front three of Katoto Diani and Sandy Baltimore. We do talk about uh, yeah. a lot about them on this pod. They're absolutely ridiculous, but I do agree with kind of PSG, maybe not being at that level again that they were last season and not being able to replicate fully all the success that they had. But finally, before we send you off Ariana, we're going to do our little predictions for this group, which I think most of us will probably agree on, but perhaps we can add a little bit as to how, you know, Jesse mentioned maybe hacking being the dark horse and kind of making it difficult um, for the top two, for example. But a reminder of Group D is Lyon, Bayern Munich, hacking from Sweden and Benfica from Portugal as well. Um, so Jesse, we'll start with you. Predictions? I'm going to back Bayern to top this group. I've got a good feeling about them. Um, yeah, I, I just think they're, they're going to, come into this feeling like they've got nothing to lose in a way that I maybe worry Leon won't. Um, so I'll go by and top Leon second, Hacken third and Benfica fourth. Abdullah. I've got, I've got to back. I've got to back my team. So I've got to go Leon first, Bayern second, uh, Hacken third and Benfica fourth. <laughs> Ariana. Yeah, I'm with uh, Abdullah. I think Leon top the group, but I think Bayern takes some points off them in the process. 
Okay, sneaky, sneaky. You know what? I'll, I'll just to just to side with Jesse on this one, so we can be even there. Um, you know, potentially it is it is hard. I do deep down, I do think Leon will have that power over Bayern Munich. Um, in terms of mentality, perhaps. Um, but it is possible in being Bayern Munich, you know, someone like Kumaga in the midfield who knows Leon very, very well can perhaps be a little, you know, you know, the rest of the team could maybe be a puppet to that midfield and, and kind of let her control the tempo and the rhythm. But we'll see. So for now, uh, we will thank Ariana for for coming onto the podcast, talking about Leon, um, kind of supporting Abdullah because he's usually alone and Jesse and I. <laughs> like the opposite of, of that so uh yeah thank you again uh you can do you want to say your twitter handle so people can go follow you follow you if they want to know bo- more about uh leon and, and your thoughts on that yeah absolutely you know first let me say thanks for for letting me join you it's great to to chat um yeah if folks want to follow me i'm at at a scavs a s c a v s uh and i blog about leon at leon offside thank you very much ariana right, thank you our first Women's Champions League episode of the season. We hope this helped you in some way to get acquainted with newer teams and get reacquainted with others. October 5th can't get here soon enough and we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. A reminder that there's still time to vote for us in the Football Content Awards. Check our Twitter for more information on how to vote. Our official Twitter account is at VoxBoxWSL. Keep up to date with all information and updates on the podcast there and you can also find our individual Twitter handles on there. See you soon. Enjoy the Champions League and thank you everyone for listening.